0: From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Napsock. back on the dragon. Recording again here. Slight delay, miss an episode, a little travel out in Las Vegas doing some comedy, and travel down to, of all places, a pre-planned trip with a hotel, two nights, all those kind of things, uh, some friends... Uh, Treated me to an early birthday gift at Disneyland Which in these times Is interesting An interesting choice, right? But we, we went through with it And You know it, it, I, I don't say this lightly I don't say this lightly I'm a person who's spent 17 years in a public safety field Has uh, Been in command centers uh, Active command centers Been in training command centers Has written uh, Disaster preparedness manuals, all those kind of things. I don't take any of this lightly, but I felt more safe at Disneyland than other places. I really did. Uh, they, You're all aware everyone's doing the best they can and you don't know. Uh, I carry that around. You just don't know. But you also don't know at your grocery store, that's stuff with people. You don't know at your gas station, what are you touching? You don't know. Uh, there are normal times, and right now it's heightened times. So all that's on my mind. All that is at the forefront here. I hope you're safe and sound where you are. I hope you're uh, doing all the things you need to do to keep yourself clean, keep yourself safe, keep yourself fed. It's also kind of a concern right now these days. Panic sweeping the nation. Uh, again, when I, I always say, "Don't panic." I'm a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fan. Those words mean a lot to me, but it doesn't mean don't panic. It doesn't mean not be informed, not pay attention, not find what is true, true out there, and what is false, and well, what can sometimes be a mixture of both. I also think distraction, focus maybe is more the word. Uh, redirecting your focus is also important. I know a lot of people have anxieties, feeling anxious, feeling care, care uh, and concern, feeling confusion. A lot of, um, a lot of uh, things out there. And you know, and I, again, I'm not one who gets rattled too easily. Ready for this, uh, you know, what, what I'm not prepared for right now. I'm, I'm we're doing uh, steps to to make sure we have the supplies we need as best we can. Uh, all those kind of things. Not, I'm not panicking. You head on a swivel is what I would say. You look around. But yeah, you know, I walked around before I left town. I sw- swung by a store uh, to pick up just some items just for travel. And it was like, oh, I could sense the tension around these parts. It's almost like Joffrey and his, and his, uh, and his uh, team <laughs> walking through uh, the uh, lower parts of King's Landing, going through... All of the uh, citizens, hungry, uh, ravenish, scared, angry, and then one just little thing explodes, and then you see what happens. You know what I mean? Uh, we don't want that. We're not hoping for that, but that's what I felt going around the grocery store the other day. Just like, ooh, we are we are one plot of uh, a cow pie thrown at a king away from a bad situation here. So everyone, just take a breath, calm down. Maybe now's the time to start your Game of Thrones rewatch. Are you suddenly... Finding yourself at home with a little uh, more time on your hands than you planned for. Maybe now it's the Game of Thrones. We watch uh, a marathon. Maybe it's beginning. I, I'm, I'm close to starting that myself. I've been close to starting that. Just been busy. Well, now a little less busy, you know, and there's some realities behind that. A little less money made, uh, you know, a little that kind of reality stuff kind of kicks in. But, hey, uh, let's make the most of it. Let's make the best of it. And uh, turn ourselves, uh, uh, turn our focus towards Game of Thrones. Though, <laughs> that said, that said, I, I did want to address, uh, talk about, and go into a little bit of the history of the shivers in Game of Thrones in the world of Ice and Fire. More specifically, in the book Fire and Blood. As you know, we're getting ready for House of the Dragon, and and that's coming out of the Fire and Blood uh, book, at least part one. We'll see what part two is. And one of my favorite sections of the book. Is uh, it's around uh, page two sixty nine, uh, two seventy nine? Excuse me. Got the book in front of me here, uh, two seventy nine, and that is uh, in the winter of fifty nine sixty A C. Relatively, I'd say early on. I mean, halfway through or so. I don't know yeah, of, of Jaharis's uh, the first reign. Um, you go through this horrible, horrible uh, disease. Swept the lamb called the shivers, and the shivers had been there before. Maybe a hundred years before, it makes us were familiar with it, and it gets you thinking, man, and it gets you thinking. This is what George R. R. Martin does so well: takes real life, obviously, um, what's going on right now. It's not the first time we we've dealt with this, and it's not the last time, and also throughout history. And and George weaves it in so well, and if you you really dig in, you find. Some of the lessons for those not familiar with the tale of the shivers, we're going to be doing more of these looks, a little look into the history world of ice and fire and just kind of diving in there uh, again. This happened when the winter hit in about 59 AC. Uh, the winter itself was just really bad. The north was, uh, as one would expect, was Hit uh, first and the hardest, the book says. Crops died in the fields. Uh, streams froze and bitter winds came howling over the wall. I'm just reading directly from the book in the words of George R. R. Martin. And that's kind of where things uh, kind of picked up from there. And that was uh, pretty bad. It was already not looking good. Problems in the veil. Harvest failing all around. All across the uh, seven kingdom, kingdoms, the price of bread began to rise. That's a concern. The price of meat rose even faster. And now what are you seeing right now? What are you seeing right now? Try to order some toilet paper on Amazon. Ooh, there you go. But then, George writes, the shivers came and the stranger walked the land. Uh, yeah, so what ended up happening here is is uh, small folk and uh, royalty and uh, the rich and the poor, everyone. It, it it did not matter. Everyone in Westeros was in this together, and died together, suffered together, but also probably didn't come together. So there's lessons there, and there is fear, and fear, and, and and they maesters did believe, and they had good reason to believe that the shivers came from the east, from the free cities. They believed it was uh, the smaller ship-bound rats that brought it on over. They couldn't ever pin that down. There was no official report, but that's what they believe. And what was interesting, so even as a byproduct that, uh, George writes, before the shivers ran its course the winter, uh, that winter kittens were selling for as much as, uh, as, as, as possible there um, because you get a cat, kill a rat, right? Uh, so it was uh, from there that a lot of fear started to sweep the land. that directly actually led to the death of the master of coin. Rego Dras who was from Pentos. And it was already kind of a bit of a, bit of a problem for the folks and even some people in court that uh, Lord Rego who would famously said if possible, and I'm paraphrasing, but if possible, he would tax the air. He was the lord of air. That's how much he would tax it. Uh, made a lot of money for the realm. And reign, uh, Jaehaerys' reign, the I's reign, is is generally considered one of the greatest reigns in Westeros. It's definitely considered one of uh, peace and prosperity, even though there was a bunch of problems and a bunch of uh, you know struggles and, and trials. And it's, it's actually, for me, Jaehaerys' reign is the centerpiece of Fire and Blood, the book. The Dance of Dragons is very much very much a uh, a key part of the book so much so it it does appear that they're going to build uh, base a, a, t- a TV show around it i don't think Jaharis's reign it does stretch for so long you'd have to do it almost like a john adams miniseries if you were to do it you know just kind of age actors as they go along but it, it it's it's a very long reign uh, i'll look up the math exactly here on um on the reign there but uh, you know it, it it so there's a lot of interesting things to to uh to, oh, 55 years was his total reign. Took over in 48 A.C. So even then we're just uh about 10, ten, eleven years into the reign where he's hit with the shivers. Um but fear starts to take over the land. That's where I was going with this. And Rego Draws uh found himself outside the Red Keep. He actually didn't like to stay in the Red Keep, and he's down in Flea Bottom and runs into some drunk, hungry, fearful, angry citizens, and it ends up with his gruesome death that really broke the heart of Harris. but there was, it was fear, and uh, him being a, quote, foreigner in this land was uh, the driving force behind his his murder. A woman shouted, he's Pentashi. Uh, Them's the bastards brung the shivers here. So there are more warnings for stuff we're going on to now. Uh, it is one of my favorite sections of the book, the shivers section, I remember, and that's why I was thinking about it all this week, as... You know, very again, very real stuff sweeping the land. It just made me think of it there because there's lessons to be had and uh, things to worry about, uh, and, and and reminders. Again, uh, the list of of noblemen and women that that passed away included Lord Edwell Clediger, uh, uh, Lord Staunton. This is uh, from the Crownlands. Uh, they're to Edith, uh, uh, Lord Damon Valarian. Who is, uh, excuse me, Lord Damon Lever- Leverian survived, but his second and uh, thir- son and third of his daughters passed away. You got Carl Cobray, who's uh, the Cobray family, uh, House Co- Cobray, very uh, key, very prominent in the story. Uh, Prentice Tully and his wife in the Riverlands and the Westerlands, Lord Lyman Lannister, the Lannisters even touch. Lord Westerling, Lord Tarbok, Lord Marbon, down in the Reach. A quarter of Old Town's population, where of course the Citadel, uh, the Citadel is, uh, they passed away and they include the wife and the children of Eustace Hightower, Lord Donald Hightower. The High Septon passed away. Two score the most devout. And a third the Archmaster's, Masters, Acolytes, and Novices at the Citadel. A third of them. And a special shout out to uh, Wiki, Vice, and Fire. I'm reading this directly from them. And the Stormlands, uh, one of the most prominent. Um, Uh, Death was Sir Ronald Baratheon. A lot of people sick and recovered, and perhaps the most sad death of all was Princess Daenerys Targaryen. That's right, the first Daenerys, the first Danny, who was six when stricken with the shivers, and the shivers would take you in about a day, day and a half, and uh, she passed away. And Queen Alyssa was uh, again right there alongside with Jarens. Uh, very key, very instrumental in his reign. I, I really do think. Uh, again, going back to the John Adams miniseries I did, like I, I would be, I would like to see it. She, she. Uh, There's a lot of royal progresses uh, had in uh, this reign, um, uh, much like Aegon the uh, the the uh, Conqueror, who felt like the the people should see their king. They should go out. They should be able to talk to me. Lay down their problems at my feet. Uh, Jaharris the first kind of felt that as well, and and so did his wife, and his sister. <laughs> so works in Tagarids, and uh, Queen Alyssa absolutely uh, loved traveling land. The great passages, uh, great stuff in this book. Uh, again, I cannot uh, recommend Fire and Blood enough. Uh, great passages um, of her going up to the wall. Uh, extending the gift uh, and just seeing the wall for the first time and seeing over the wall flying above it uh, I, I, I love all that stuff there so uh, she was uh, one of the more uh, popular queens in uh, history and she lost her daughter Daenerys and soon um, found herself uh, uh, pregnant again um, did I say Alyssa? I, said, I meant Queen as Aslan. I'm so sorry I read that wrong <laughs> oh, you know, there's so many names. You look down quickly and you think you read the right name. But really, eh, eh, you didn't read the right name because uh, they all look the same. George, George, uh, George, you know, George loves just grabbing one handful of letters from Scrabble and putting them down. Yes, Queen, Aliceane, their uh, uh, daughter Daenerys, well, they had a lot of kids there, right? They had a lot of kids. But, you know, that's no that's no comfort for a uh, queen loosener um, kid there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm poking through the book right now here. Love just some of the words that George, George uses. The marks of the disease were well known. It began, simply enough, with a chill. Victims would complain of being cold, throw a fresh log in the fire, huddle under a blanket or a pile of furs. Some would call for hot soup, mold wine, or, against all reason, beer. Neither blankets nor soups could stay the progress of the pestilence. Soon the shivering would begin. Mild at first, a trembling, a shudder. But inexorably growing worse. Goose prickles would march up and down the victim's limbs like conquering armies. By then, the afflicted would be shivering so violently lit that their teeth would chatter, and their hands and feet would begin to convulse and twitch. When the victim's lips turned blue and began to cough up blood, the end was nigh. Once the first chill was felt, the course of the shivers was swift. Death could come within a day, and no more than one victim in every five recovered. George, this this section it's a few pages it's it's it stood out to me it's just pure game of thrones horror but based in reality and and again i'm not, i'm not saying this to, to 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 make make direct connections to what's going on right now but it just makes you think and and, and sometimes i think sometimes we as this situation in real life unfolds you're kind of like man is this is this happening now? Do we have to prepare now? And you can you can cause yourself to to out out panic the actual situation. Uh, out panic the actual need for panic. So uh, I, I I read this with 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 care and concern and caution, but also just uh, obsession with this world that George has created. And again, how real he succeeds in making this world. Um, that's why I love studying the history of it. I love history in real life, regular life, the history of this world, but uh, the world we are in. But uh, George has done such a good job pulling from everything, so it just feels so real. And I remember reading this sequence in Fire and Blood and just kind of got the like, you could almost feel the winds blowing around and carrying this disease. And what's brutal about it is some of these characters like Eustace Hightower, you know, these, these are characters that have been in the book up until now, and you're reading about this reign of Jaharis, and you're liking it. Uh, and you're liking him, and, and he comes uh, after uh, megor who uh, Megor the cruel, like uh, he just kind of starts to really settle down the realm after a really bad period of time, and Megor the cruel uh, earned that name and indeed but uh, and so there's a lot of these names, you're like, yeah, I like that person, and then boom, the shivers takes him. This is one of my favorite little sections of the book, and again, um. <clears throat> Again, uh, uh, you know, uh, just fascinated with that world. So it made me think about it. It made me think about it. What uh, What do you guys think about the Shivers in Game of Thrones? And would you want to see? Would you want to see uh, uh, Jairus, the first reign documented in in any way? It's 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 such a it's a peaceful reign in an inch, overall. Again, there's no giant wars. There's no no Targaryen civil wars. Those the big stuff starts to come after, but. It's such just an if you're if you're a fan of the history of this show, this world and these books, it's really where a lot of things that we know now uh, were built. And uh, it's a great study. It's just a great study to to go through kind of how the, the land that we know, especially if you watch the show, was formed it was a lot of it during this time. So don't get the shivers. Be careful. Take care of yourself. Uh, don't hoard the cats or the meat. Share the cats or the meat with some of your neighbors in the other their castles. Um, be careful of who you blame or why you blame. It's here. we got to deal with that. That's what I think. And, you know, if you got to stay in your castle, read some stories. So that's my thoughts. Just want to uh, check in with you all, and we're going to take a quick break. Got some great calls on the other side of this. The shivers. It's on my mind. And that's why I love Game of Thrones. Back after this. And we're back here in Casterly Talk. Hope I didn't get too lost in that book. <laughs> pretty cool. I just was uh, thinking about it a lot driving home today from being on the road a little bit and just uh, why I love that book so much. Uh, not everyone reacted to the book Fire and Blood like I, I did. And um, Rachel Koscheid and Andres Cabrera and, and those, uh, those of you out there listening know uh, Sir Thomas the Tall. Thomas Risling loves the book, the book as well and it's just because the history of it all becomes alive and again you can, you can pull guidance from it, lessons from it failures from it and just uh, entertainment too so if you haven't had a chance to read Fire and Blood hey, maybe that's something that you get to do right now as we all slow things down a bit and maybe do some things in the quiet and safety of our own home we have got uh, some Calls to get to, and I want to get to this one first from Ben Robinson. Ben Robeson. Oh, did I did I add an N that wasn't there, Ben? My apologies. Here's Ben. Hey, Ken, I'd like to get your thoughts on the length of season eight. I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of shows, including some of the greatest of all time, all have shorned last seasons. Shows like The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, The Americans, The Leftovers, they all have shortened last seasons. And I feel like that's because you're contracting the story and not expanding the story anymore. Um, Even though I feel like season eight could have used a couple more episodes, I totally understand from the writer's perspective of why they felt like they didn't need to go with the full ten episodes. I'd just like to hear his thoughts on that. All right, Ben. Yeah, talking about the length of season eight. Might as well talk about the length of Season 7. And there's some history there. Uh, ben is right. Uh, other shows have wrapped up with fewer episodes and Final Seasons. Or maybe they do that coming back. We're seeing that a lot now. Like, so-and-so, this show's coming back. Eh, you know, six episodes of it. Uh, or even in Star Wars, we're going through the Clone Wars right now. Season 7, the Clone Wars save season, which is also a great start. Four episodes in at the time of this recording. Well, we only got 12 to work with, which back in the day, because the Cartoon Network, being on more of a traditional uh, uh, cable and television run, you had uh, 22 or so episodes to work with for the first five seasons of, of uh, Clone Wars. A little bit different with Game of Thrones, and they had the power to do what they want. I, I I right now don't know all the facts. Don't know for certain. I, I, I don't know um, uh, the stories you hear about HBO said, you got 10, and Dan and Dave said, no, we don't want 10, we don't need 10, and the reasons why, and a lot of speculation, and and I don't have any great insight on any of those, any of the truths that uh, led to these final two seasons shortened. I'll say this, and I'll be very honest, when I first found out after season six, this is uh, that we uh, were getting, you know, we knew we had, pretty much knew we had two seasons left and that they were short. Uh, seven episodes, six episodes, I was bombed. I was bombed. I actually was really down about that. I didn't like that idea. But it wasn't because of, uh, they're not going to have time, time enough time to tell the story or all those, all those kind of things. It's just because I love this show. And that's three less episodes and then four less episodes that I get to enjoy this show, enjoy the journey, and that kind of... It kind of upset me in a way, and and it and it did, and and back then it wasn't it was not doing this show, so I was doing more recap and review shows if I was talking about Game of Thrones publicly, and so I didn't have a chance to really go into it. But at the end of the day, this is where I think Ben really strikes some truth in his call. The thing that really struck me when I thought about it, yeah, because I try to put on a good public face. Hey, I got 13, 13 episodes left, and I still believe. Look, uh, when they launched, they they said uh, Dan and David had said. We we wanted seventy episodes. That's what we wanted. That's what we hoped that we could get to tell our story. They got seventy three. So hey, I'll take even those three more, right? So what? When when my kind of uh, disappointment subsided, the truth of the matter was the thing I was upset about was kind of what Ben was talking about here. I, I knew the story was wrapping up. I knew there was less episodes because they feel they didn't have the need for 20 more episodes. They just wanted 13 to tell their story. Now, on record, and I'll reaffirm it here, agree with Ben. Give me one episode more each season. Give me a little bit of room. I'm right there with you on a lot of those complaints that people have out there. Not as passionate about that as other people are because i really do believe they they got to complete the story they wanted to complete it's just the little moments it's those little conversations uh maybe a little bit more clarification a little bit more motivation yeah uh, i'm there for that but i think at the end of the day when this first came about when it first became public that's what was upsetting me not just the base level. Hey, I love this show, and I don't want it to go away, which fueled a lot of it. But just the realization that I had that ah, we are we are coming down to the end of the story, and it has been such a journey, and such just a part of my life. And just, again, just I mean, just talking about the television show, not even getting into the books, Fire and Blood, or even just the time I spent staring at the maps. Uh, None of that mattered. It was that uh, this shadow was rising, and it was the end of the series. And that meant some of the journeys, some of the answers that I've always wanted. We've talked a lot about that. I talk often about Sir Jorah Mormont. This is is my guy, man, right? And his story was going to come to an end. The conclusion, all my hopes and dreams for him as a character we either going to come true or not come true. And more likely than not, they were not going to tr- come true or or, or or ever come true. And I got the story that I got and I loved it and took from it what I needed. But I had a couple of those like, oh, I remember when he was healed. When, when Sam Tarly heals Jorah, I had a bit of disappointment. And I think it's easy to t- put that into disappointment with how it was handled. But it wasn't for me. Because I loved it. I love the poetry of it. I love Sam Tarley being the one and saving him in kind of in honor of Jor and Jor Marmont's death, having some weight to save his son later on. I like that. I like that a lot. I wouldn't change that for anything. But it was the idea of like, oh, well, they were wrapping that up. You know, Stannis Baratheon, my guy Stannis. I think one of the reasons I uh, I and many others, Eric Monroe, our caller, we got another call from Eric here in a second, but the reason we spent an entire off-season between season five and six going Stannis is Alive is we, we didn't see the, the the killing blow. We didn't, you know, if you analyze Bran of Tar's sword swing, it just didn't seem like an actual kill shot. There had to have been a reason and blah, 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 blah. It was because we didn't want the story to end. Same with Mance Rayder. Mance Rayder goes, and yeah, you have the comparison between his story in the books and his story in the show, but... When it kind of dawns on me there that this is it, I didn't want to accept it. I wanted one more scene. Give me one more episode, one more beat of the story with Mance involved. Didn't get it. And so, so Ben, that is, I think, my reaction to it as far as the reasons why. Again, we'll never really know. I, I think it could just be as simple as they felt this was their story. This is a story they had mapped out long ago, felt what they need. I still think there's some part of it. That you look at those behind-the-scenes docs and the effort it took and how they, they realized they were killing their crew some ways to get these big fights going, these big movies that they were shooting and condensing into one episode of television. To add one or two more might have not have been uh, just feasible emotionally, but also... Physically and also financially. There's some thoughts of that. I don't think I push back against the ideas, unless there is an actual quote that someone could find for me. And maybe there is. I push back against the idea that Dan and David were just done with it. That this was a, a change. There's, they've been cast as these villains uh, along the way. Uh, you know, I get it. You might not like some of the decisions. I don't love every decision they made, and every little small execution they and their staff of writers and producers and directors made. But let's, without a doubt, they started become becoming casted uh, as villains, and everything they were heralded for early on I was used against them. And and um, but I don't think at the end, the, I don't think at any at any point they were like, "We've come this far, and eh, let's just sweep some things under the table and get out of here." I just don't think that. It's just not the way it works. But I don't know if we'll ever get that answer, Ben. I don't know if we'll ever know. I want I want that tell-all making of Game of Thrones book. Give it to me. I love that kind of stuff. It doesn't factor into my love or hate of anything um, in Star Wars or Game of Thrones or... Even Simpsons or any, uh, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, any of those big franchise things I love. Even sports, baseball, reading tell-all books about what really happened in the Yankee dugout in 1978 does not change my love for the New York Yankees. Saturday Night Live, love the, love reading backstage stuff on Saturday Night Live. Big fan of that show. Big a big big fan of the sh- history of that show. Uh, knowing that uh, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase fought, knowing that Dan Aykroyd was a bit bonkers, knowing uh, some of the problems. Uh, none of it. Changes my love of it, you know? But I do want those Game of Thrones stories. And we'll see. Uh, you know, and again, one more. Eight episodes in the final, uh, season seven. And then, give me seven. Give me one more. Do I felt 100% that's because it needs it? not necessarily. But because I wanted it. Call here from our friend, Eric Monroe. And he has uh, got some, uh, got an interesting one. I, I... Uh, Eric you got me thinking That's why we're playing in here So here we go This is
1: Eric's call Hey Cannon Castro It's So I was uh, listening to the show last week And it got me thinking Was there a specific moment or episode When the fandom really changed And became so toxic And it made me think back Because you know I, I miss the days when Seemingly everyone well, 99% of people loved the show And You know, I remember the Sansa wedding night fiasco. You know, that got a lot of pushback. But I feel like it did recover from that. And then it got me thinking, the Beyond the Wall episode in season seven, I think it it started a little bit with that. But I think the true episode where it, it, it went to a point of no return with the fandom going toxic was The Long Night, season three of episode eight. I don't feel like things have ever been the same since that episode aired. That's when the constant just attack after attack after attack would go on twitter and other places so what do you think do you think that was the turning point with the fandom going toxic
0: well eric hmm, hmm, hmm. i have a lot of thoughts on this one and a lot of questions a lot of things i just don't know when did the hate for the show just finally turn Again, if you're listening right now to me talking about Game of Thrones and World of Ice and Fire, if if you're listening to that now, chances are you generally love the show. You might have some moments that you're frustrated with. Might have been a season or two that you're frustrated with, but you still love the show because you're still in it. You're still uh, involved. And I had a lot of people just done with it, which is their right. So we're not here to cast aspersions of them for that. I'm not here to pull them off their horse in a, an alley in Flea Bottom. Uh, even sometimes, though, I'd like to. Um, go with me on this here. I'm thinking aloud here, too. I looked up some stuff before I started this episode, but I, I'm still kind of thinking aloud. And this will be maybe one of those uh, things that uh, goes on. We have some more follow-up phone calls and, and ask some of my guests, too. I actually started to go to Season 4, because Seasons 1, 2, and 3... Like Eric was saying, you're talking to like the people who were in, they were in. 99% range, that's great. It's a different era, too. Different eras of of fandoms, different er eras of uh, pop culture, society, the world. Um, April 17th, 2011. Game of Thrones debuts. Think about that. 2011. It all goes so fast the show is in our rear view mirror now. But go back to who you were as a person. Go back to where you were as a person when you were first watching the show. I can absolutely remember. It. Old apartment, old bed, old TV. Like, I, I don't even think at that point, I think I just kind of got a PlayStation 3. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was watching it on on, on cable. <laughs> like. Making sure we had the HBO package added on to our TV, you know, my roommate and I. And I remember laying down, giving this a shot. I'd seen some behind-the-scenes stuff. Again, as I said before, hooked within the first 30 seconds of, wow, what am I watching? Something different. Because I, t- I generally don't go, even though I lo- love Lord of the Rings, the, the movies. Um, I love Star Wars. I'm not super, super into high-fantasy stuff or even mid-fantasy or low-fantasy. Just not. Medieval stuff, maybe a little bit, and this had that, but, it, but I, I was so intrigued by uh, the, the White Walkers in the first 30 seconds here, and then I was very intrigued, obviously, with, with the ending, but that's, uh, uh, you know, Bran getting pushed out, but along the way. But all that to say, that first episode, 2011, we've changed. Our expectations have changed. This show had a lot to do with all those expectations changing in the way we... On the demands and society itself has changed. Well, I'd say mostly for the better. It it definitely, definitely has been a struggle. Definitely been a problem. And and the way we communicate, Twitter was certainly around in 2011, but the way it was used, the way it was, uh, the power behind it was definitely a lot different. Season two comes along, and remember, season two kind of um, as 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 the show does kind of rise in terms of uh, uh, viewership and ratings and everything. uh, You know, I I still think. Season two had that, like, well, it wasn't good as the first one. And then then you could go back and, and you have a different kind of view on it. Yes, for sure. But, uh, you know, it wasn't people didn't express that as powerfully as they do now. And then uh, season three comes along. And again, I I think season three now ranks low for me in terms of seasons. But so many great things happen. The Red Wedding. Things are going strong. That's the point. I think the first signs of trouble started to pop up in season four. That is when even for, for me, and now I am I am a book reader at this point. I didn't start out as one. Now I'm a book reader. I'm a little bit on, on times on my smug horse, and that's where some of the biggest butterfly effect changes seem to happen There's in season, season four. And I, I do not have... A lot of love uh, at the time. I did not have a lot of love for the uh, mutineers storyline and a lot of those kind of things. And but yeah, yeah, the Night King's introduced and so it's it's interesting. I'm still there, definitely. I think it starts to starts to go it starts to go wonky a little bit for some people. Then, but hey, the Mountain and the Viper, season eight, uh, season two, episode eight. Uh, excuse me, season four. Well, wrong season. Ken. Get get it together again. You're literally looking at the list. Season four, episode eight, Mountain and the Viper. Breaks people's heart hearts, devastates them. Boom. You're, 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 you're in it. You're not criticizing. You're just grieving. We're all collectively in that. That's followed with the watchers on the wall. Absolutely one of the best episodes of all time. Neil Marshall gives us a film. Perhaps the first real where you just look at one of the at, at, at a full episode of Game of Thrones ago, that could have been on the movie screen. Then they do release it in uh, an IMAX a year later, right? That's got our attention. But then, the children, episode 10. There's some great stuff going on in them. Love it. But I know that there was a lot of folks, when Bran finally gets to the tree, and we finally see a child of the forest. Uh, we eventually you known as Leaf, uh, recast, all the kind of thing, but I know I had conversations with people who were just like, what was that? I don't like that at all. And a little crack started to emerge. Then we go to season five. Eric already mentioned this, but yeah, season five. Now we are in 2015. Uh, Things are uh, absolutely different. Society. Expectations, our wants, desires—a lot of it is changing. And I absolutely believe uh, there's a reason. Unbowed, unbent, unbroken. Written by Brian Cogman, uh, directed by Jeremy uh, po- Podeswa. Potis—how Podes- does he say his name? Podes- uh I, you know, uh, you got the uh, Sansa uh, rape scene that, understandably. understandably Affects people. Now, remember, go back to season four, two. You had the Cersei and Jamie scene. Uh, the questionable sex scene at the foot of uh, Joffrey's uh, body. Adjusted slightly in the books. and And that actually was also an indicator where people didn't. The first time that people didn't have plot problems, just like, oh, I didn't like that uh, John and the mutineers and all that, hey, there's an elfy kind of weird fairy character throwing grenades, I don't know. That was the first time that Game of Thrones started taking real big, real big, there, could, there definitely was some before, but real big slings and arrows from the public about what it was showing. Season five, episode six, I'm bowed, I'm bent, I'm broken, oh, the Sansa rape scene, absolutely absolutely just becomes a conversation point understandably i again i think things are changing i'm definitely not one that's going to defend the scene completely uh again i i I remember i mean it was a lot different in the books and i remember the night i watched it we were doing a night is dark podcast over at our friend david ficus's house where we do it it was uh, me michelle boyd tiffany smith Garrett and we did not have a a super uh, angry reaction in the house it was it was just brutality uh which is something we're used to it was um, a, another form of brutality in game of thrones and and again not to say that to defend it but but we just kind of mem- we remember kind of getting off off air and Michelle and I were book readers so we were we were more focused on wow it's whew, a lot different than the books and not a, not better not in a better way um and then you started to see this wave of hate coming into it again, not for the show and the plot, but the production, the behind the choices. Why would you do that? Who wrote that? Who did that? Who directed it? Who made that call? That's when it, it started to, to change. In the meantime, season five's got some problems with Dorn. People are starting to question that. They're starting to doubt that. They're starting to... Uh, doubt some of the choices made at the end of season four. That's a lot of people, a lot of book readers thought, where maybe Lady Stoneheart should come through. George R. R. Martin started starting to pull back from that as well. But we're followed up with a really great episode, uh, "The Gift." We're f- followed that up with "Hard Home." Miguel Sapochnik directs those two episodes, "The Dance of Dragons," "Mother's Mercy," and I think we end so strong. I think people are willing to not. Forgive, but but definitely move past what any problems they had with Season 5. But the questions and the feelings and the concerns are lingering over everything there. Season 6 is, I think, a well-received season, well-loved season. And generally, I, I, I don't think you find anything in there that people really hate and so it's almost as if the show there's stuff there's stuff questioned uh um you know we know we know Jon Snow is back you know and again season five ends there's a lot of focus on that that plot stuff versus um what's going on but but I think along the way the and then Hodor and all that kind of stuff along the way there's some some stuffs brewing but but Season six seems to recover. So, and it wins winter is episode ten. It's that's probably one of the one of all time episodes. Definitely one of the best sequences. But yeah, um, moving and moving along again. I'm thinking aloud here. So thanks for letting me have this journey with uh, all of you here. Season seven, right away. It's short. Going back to Ben's question and my thoughts on it. People already got their their hackles are up. It's short. It's better be good. I only got seven. It better be good and they say everyone says on the team the actors writers producers the creators the showrunners season 7 moves really fast and we didn't take that right we didn't we went a different way with it then it comes to find out we come to find out oh they literally literally mean fast it's not a fast paced lot of action like characters appear here and then they go there and, and in the course of a day and, and there's some questions about distance and now people are pulling out rulers and measuring maps And say, well, there's no way the uh, Baelish couldn't have been there talking to Sansa. Then, you know, a lot of that's kind of hanging over from season six, too. uh, Where how fast did it take uh, Sansa to get down to talk to Baelish and Baelish come back with the the army? You know, a lot of those things are going on. Then we have the questions about uh, uh, Sansa and Arya and the Baelish storyline. And that is... It's really starting to pick up where, again, you can, we can talk with Andres Cabrera on the show who has some real strong opinions about his guy, Baelish, and how his ending was handled. And he doesn't like it. And I understand that. I, I, I like it a little bit more than he, he does, but he's really invested in that story. And he's got some good reasons that are beyond just his passion for the character. But that plotline, before it was even finished... Problems of the plot line emerge that are outside the scope of the story. People don't like that these two female characters uh these sisters are they don't like the way they're being handled. they don't like the decisions of everyone involved and i I would add that that would include whether you want to think that or not includes the decisions of the performers. Sophie Turner and Maisie Williams make decisions as actors. And I think sometimes that gets forgotten, as if they're just reading the words as written. Uh, An actor, a good actor, professional actor, takes a script and doesn't just make changes. We'll decide the point of view of every line, decide the point of view of the scene, decide how to play it and see if it all syncs up. It's it's a delicate balance and a delicate dance, and it's a wonderful artistic dance. But all these things are questioned. Uh, How they play it are questioned. And it, it is not just simply, oh, I didn't like that plot point. It is like, I don't like the people behind the show for what they did here. I find it wrong. And then, yes, you do get to episode six, Beyond the Wall. And we're all excited. Episode five, Eastwatch. It, even though there were some questions of the idea, and I think the idea even in story is meant to be kind of crazy let's all grab some all-star players and let's go north of the wall and capture a white and take it down to Cersei. Um Let's, you know, let's see how that goes. Um, and it's meant to be taken kind of like, were you crazy for doing that? But as fans and, and, and this bleeds over a little bit into just how fans are these days. They don't let the story play out. They don't interact with the story presented it, presented to them. They have too many of their expectations in front of their feelings and and how they view the show. And so now just instead of second, guessing a character in story, which again might be part of it. Tyrion's plan, John's plan, it, it's crazy and should be treated as crazy. But then people treat it outside of that. Ah, well, that's stupid. Writers, directors, producers are stupid for doing that. Instead of going, oh, Tyrion, the character. And Jon, the character might be making a mistake doing this. But then all that builds up. Like, hey, let's see how it plays out. I I like a lot of episode six, Beyond the Wall. I really like a lot of it. I really think it's great. The banter. We get some of the, the conversations that we like. We, we talked about it a lot here. Um talked about season seven revisited on, on another phone call with Eric I like the Jora John stuff there's a lot to like there I think I think it's scary I think the the zombie bear that whole sequence is scary and I even think the final sequence has a lot of fun action and a lot of tension but you know and and, and, and sadness with, with Danny losing a dragon but what happens instead of just taking the show and the story as it plays out in front of you which is something I preach that you just sh- I think you should just watch the shows in these movies that way. How does this story, this living document play out in front of you with this world that you love? Take the plot points and take the facts added to the story and lay them all down on a storyline map, a timeline map, and just, just enjoy the story and ask questions going back to that. But people didn't with this. They literally started tweeting things out. About, well, here, if Danny, if an average, if the average speed airspeed of a dragon was this, and Danny was in Dragonstone, and Gendry's running down here, and a raven goes from there to there, this is how far. And I'm not saying any of that was wrong. It happens fast. Gendry's run is fast. Danny gets up there fast. The producers of the show said things happen fast. We didn't listen we put our we put our own desires and expectations before these stories as you should as you should but when you're pulling out rulers on maps and you're pulling out uh, legends on maps and you're pulling out uh, uh, mile markers and you and you and you're saying uh, here's how fast a, a dragon goes you know again compared to what I don't know a seagull what do you what's your real life measurement for that it that was the real Going back to Eric's original question, when did that just get it not turn around? To me, that was the the big signpost. I think it wasn't it was it was it was not quite the same as what would come. This is twenty seventeen. But it's the summer of twenty seventeen, and one of my favorite movies of all time has not come out yet. And that's The Last Jedi. And that really the damn breaks then the damn absolutely breaks so we go to season uh, season 7 episode 7 uh, the dragon on the wall uh, the wall comes down again again i remember getting this the people have problems with how the wall came down it seemed anticlimactic to people you know after years of predicting that wall's going to come down it finally comes down and people go eh not the way i thought it would look not as cool gee we saw that coming and and, and all those kind of conversations are picking up, and that's what leads to Season 8. I, I think the show, despite a lot of the, these big moments we're discussing here in 5, 6, and 7, and mostly 5 and 7, I think, um, I think despite all that, I think Eric's absolutely right. I think the moment it breaks, and it breaks for me, is the long night. Episode uh, 1 of Season 8, I think... I think is everyone. It's 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 a slower quote unquote setup episode, right? It's got some it's got some tension. It's got some horror vibes to it. See Ned Umber, uh, the White of Ned Umber there uh, as they as they go to Lester's. I mean the tensions rising, but it's a quieter episode, right? Uh, you know, and there's some uh, qui- uh, Ky- Kyber hiring Braun to assassinate Tyrion Jamie Still, uh, it's you know at this point I think you're just trying to get Braun involved, and and that's the way they chose to to do it, but it is what it is and, and and any bronze scene i'll take you know what i mean but i think people are on board people are expecting what's coming and then uh, in a good way and then night of the seven kingdoms i think is it's so funny cuz i think that is as what april 21st 2019 that that airs night of the seven kingdoms is to me guy it seems a maybe memories change it. it seems to me one of to be one of the most beloved episodes right i am or am i wrong It just seems to me that there's so much going on and we're getting our final moments, these characters, and everyone's thinking we're saying our final goodbyes to a lot of people. Despite the fact that Tyrion, I think, uh, I but Tyrion at one point in this episode says, what if we all survive? Again, interact with the story presented to you. Listen to the clues and themes presented to you. But you you've got the brand scene it's arguably one of the most powerful scenes in the show i i think people are behind it and that is why i was so shocked well maybe not shocked having been through the last jedi period as a star wars commentator and pundit uh not shocked but the long night the long night and by this point i, I you know after episode 2 after the season has started, I I started to kind of be like, uh, it's not looking good the way the fandom's starting to stir. There's some stirring going on. Much like to our conversation that started the show about the shivers. Much like a, a nobleman from a foreign land going to Flea Bottom and running around during a time of disease. Tension is boiling. Everyone's ready to knock you off your horse. It seemed like this was happening. The anger was already building because, as with any show that tries to end things in this fashion, you'll get some that people unilaterally love. And I love people to try to compare, like, the ending of A Good Place to this show. Not the same thing. But I've lived through Cheers, I've lived through Seinfeld. Sopranos, even not am not a huge Sopranos fan, we all remember the end of that. Cost so much. I I I've been through this. We've all been through this, and I think we all started sense what was coming, but then the long night, a battle we've been waiting for. Perhaps going back to episode one of season one, the cold open. We've been waiting for this, and again, I I I think there's some understandable questions of did that really all build to this and what was the purpose of the night King and what would the night King want? And it turns out he just kind of the night King wanted to settle score it was want to watch the world burn or freeze. You know what I mean? And I think that was kind of the answer. And I think that itself, I understand if that left you wanting a little bit more, but this episode again, it's the episode and yes, there's a controversy of how, how it aired whether you saw a version that was light and bright or too dark to see. That was just part of it. It didn't help, but it was part of it. And again, I understand I saw it just fine, just fine. And then I saw a later version that was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, same with Solo. In theaters, I was blessed to see Solo, crystal clear with some beautiful, beautiful cinematography from Bradford Young. And then the third or fourth time I saw it? the theater I was in was not prepared to show solo the way it needed to be or whatever happened. I'm not a tech guy. I'm not a camera guy. I'm not a projector expert, a projectionist, not that guy. And the third or fourth time I think it was that I saw solo, I went, Oh yeah, you're right. I I can't see a lot in this opening scene. I can't see some other things. So, Hey, that's where we are now. Technology is so good. You gotta, you gotta get your settings right. I I understand. That's a problem. But it was the long night. Does that episode ends, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm not checking Twitter. Grace and I are sitting there watching it, and that episode ends, and I'm like, that was one of the best things I've ever seen. Holy moly, that was a movie on my uh, TV screen. That was unbelievable. All these characters, Jorah's uh, die. I'm crying over that. Grace is emotional over that, and just everything. Arya gets the big win. I'm excited. Theon goes. Let's not forget Theon going. I, I hated Dolores, Ed, and Theon go, and Jora. And I got people like, nah, not enough people died of that. But we, we had some deaths. People we've been following uh, for a long time. Dolores, Ed, goes. And it's like, that's sad, man. Come on. But I did the thing. I checked online right after and just started to see it coming through. And the absolute hate was the point for me. Going back to Eric's question here. That was the point for me that I shut it all off. I've still got every word I can possibly think of related to Game of Thrones. Song of Ice and Fire. It is muted on on my social media. Can't see it to this day. In fact, I, I was having trouble. I couldn't figure out. There were some tweets getting blocked uh, you know, you get that m- notification—not uh, blocked but muted. You get that notification on Twitter that will say, "Like uh, this tweet contains a word you have muted." You know, view if you like. And I'm always like this. It has nothing to do with Star Wars, which now now has been completely erased from my social media, almost almost completely erased. And it's not Game of Thrones. It's just a conversation about something else. I finally I finally figured. It took me a long time. Felt dumb. Finally figured it out uh, because I have the term uh, the phrase G O T hashtag got or just got and i usually i put it down as capital g small o capital t right got well twitter just sees it as got so now any tweet that has the word got in it i can't even see and that all started at this point the long night and when eric first when i first heard eric's question I thought, oh, there's got to be a point back season four, five, the Sansa moment, all those kind of things. Yep. Some stuff in season seven. That had to be the toxic turning point. I don't think it was that early. I think it was all brewing. It was all building, but I think it was the long night. And that was the moment that broke the show for a lot of people. And again, God bless you, man. Seven blessings. I don't, you don't like it after that point. That show, that broke you. We're going to, we're going to still be friends. It is what it is, but generally in the public that broke it the dam burst and that i don't think i'm i do not think anything after that would have sufficed i don't think anything would have changed it we're seeing it now with the rise of skywalker we're seeing it endings not only are they hard and not everything's done perfectly but it's just as though fandoms sit there watching this. Parts of fandom, let's be clear. I know I always feel like we have to be extra clear about that. But the fandoms, I think they have to sit there and kind of they watch these things with their arms folded. And saying, you better get it right. And there's nothing you can do to change that. So, Eric, great question. You got me thinking? I think that's the answer. I think that's the one. I love season eight. I think there's some beautiful things in there, some beautiful moments, some grand moments, some exciting moments. I think there's so much there. But definitely broke the show for a lot of people. But there were signposts along the way, key moments along the way, where, again, the show, it's always going to have questions for you. You're always going to think, wow, wow. Why did they do that? Why did the character do that? What was that about? But when it starts becoming the conversation starts becoming stuff around the show, societal things, which again, some of them are good questions to have. Some of them are good questions that demand good answers. And even then we don't completely know. But when it starts to come from another spot, that's when it's all different. That's when it's all a little broken. But hey, we all, like I said, up top probably have a little bit more time, a little bit more time to watch these things again. I'm getting ready to start a Game of Thrones rewatch. I hope you are, too. In fact, when that one's done, I'll probably do that again. That's it for this week. If you uh, want to call in with your own thought starter, respond to anything you heard in this show, you could do so by reaching out through the Anchor app. It's really easy. Just get the Anchor app. You can even I'll probably do it. I haven't tested your desktop. Someone let me know if you've ever called in from your desktop. I don't know. Go to the Anchor app. It's easy. You can click on the show. have a button buttons says, Leave a message on the show. Contact the show. Call the show. Whatever it says. You'll click it. 59 seconds to respond. Get your own thought starter. Uh, Eric's always got great stuff almost every week, and we appreciate it uh, this week. Uh, he had a great one. Uh, ben, thanks for your call as well. Really great thought-provoking stuff, too. We'll never know that answer whether shorter. If you want to follow me, do that uh, at Ken Napsock Go to My website, Kednapsock.com, to find out information on all the other things I do, including uh, my book, Why We Love Star Wars. It's out there still if you love Star Wars. Audiobook version, uh, the actual book, uh, and then a, a German version, if you'd like to check that out as well. That's it for this week, my friends. We'll see you as the story continues here for Casterly Talk.